Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Hey, welcome to episode 12 of the, no, wait, this isn't Morgan Jessica. I know, I, I can, I can understand, <laughs> Tim. I, I feel like I want to hear you say it too. I'm like, oh no, it's, it's like old yeah. habits. No, it's, it's welcome. It's not, hey, well, hey, hey, welcome to, right? It's, it's, uh, no, this is Spotcast, right? Oh, welcome to Spotcast. Welcome to Spotcast. Welcome to, okay, got it. Welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 12. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm also joined by Jonathan Kuline over there in Mississauga. Woo, Mississauga! Or Mississauga, as I told them. Yeah. Yes, bedroom community. All right. So, yeah, so let's dive into some quick uh, little bit of fact check from episode number 11, I guess, right? Yep. Uh, so we were on we our best behavior last week. We only had a couple of things and they were just clarifications. So uh, about 12 minutes in, uh, we were talking about get smart the actress who played agent 99 on get smart barbara felden yeah of course yeah uh and 23 minutes uh we're talking about the arkham games and so i wrote down the list of all the arkham games primary arkham games uh batman arkham asylum arkham city arkham origins and arkham knight are the four main games there's also a psvr game called batman arkham vr and i think there's five different uh portable games as well for different platforms and didn't didn't the arkham asylum stuff come out of the the, the comic books or trade books or whatever? uh it was actually not based on anything directly there is a uh, graphic novel a terrific graphic novel from 1988-89 called Batman Arkham Asylum uh, Grant Morrison and Dave McKean but uh, it, this is something else it's fantastic I played all the games they're, they're super super fun really really well done Paul Dini actually wrote uh, a bunch of that stuff is uh, one of the creators behind Batman the Animated Series right right and so and that's uh, and so the stories were written specifically for video game play kind of thing right yeah it's a great big if you play them it's like playing a 15 hour Batman movie Oh, cool. Each. So, oh. very cool. Alrighty. So, and Jaime, of course, you were the one that mentioned that last week, so you're a big fan of that series as well? Yeah, and I didn't even realize there were four. I thought there were three. I completely oh, forgot about uh, Arkham yeah, Knight. Yeah. Arkham Knight was so much fun getting to drive around in that badass Batmobile. That was that was super, super fun. Yeah, so that's a big heavy armored one from the last bunch of movies? Um, yeah, it's it's actually sort of a hybrid and it, it again, they created their own sort of Bat universe with their versions of what happens to Batman and and, uh, and carved out all these different niches. And one of the things they did was create an, a unique Batmobile. But uh, it's it's super awesome. You can drive through brick walls with it. And right, you know, right. it's, it's super fun to tootle around Gotham in. Okay, all right. So let's move on to the follow-up. So Jaime, you got something here? Yes, this so. is uh, not going to play well. It'll be in the show notes for those of you transporting at home. Um, it's a comic <laughs> that you'll have to you'll have to read uh, when you're, you're not listening to this wonderful podcast. It's uh, a little bit of follow-up to our discussion on uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, and I think funny enough, the, 
the topic that's portrayed here is actually a little bit behind the times now, because in the past few days, there's been even more drama around the the way that Electronic Arts has dealt with the loot box and uh, yeah. you know getting players to grind or or more directly pay to get characters like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. And so this plays on that. It, it shows uh, Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader um, scheming as if they were in place of EA. And since then, as a follow-up to our follow-up, um, Disney came down on this pretty hard. I think they realized the PR had gotten so bad and with The Last Jedi coming up, they don't want any negativity around Star Wars. And they put the hammer on EA and EA has temporarily pulled all of this uh, loot box microtransaction sort of uh, uh, nonsense while they figure out how to make it not terrible or at least not so obviously terrible. And they've gotten themselves in some trouble because uh, the countries of Belgium and uh, Australia are starting to investigate as to whether these things count as gambling and whether they should be regulated as such. So, oh, wow. yeah, this is, this is this is huge news. And I kind of wonder, uh, reaching into it like a more than just code topic, if that will have repercussions for the mobile industry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right. so, so keep your eyes out for this one. This is getting crazy. So what's the deal with this? Is like in-app purchases or something like that? Or how does it work? Well, like abusively to the point where um, your player progression heavily depends on these loot boxes, which are randomized. Um, and you're, I mean, it's we've gotten used to in-app purchases being bad. Like, oh, look, you have to like grind for 24 hours in order to build one little tile in Dungeon Keeper. Uh, this is kind of like that same level. As Jonathan described, it was like 40 hours of grinding to get to the point where you could have just Luke Skywalker unlocked. Obviously, a wow, premier yeah, player. Yeah. So they're, they're pushing so hard on this. And there are people complaining about the, the addictive aspects to it. And um, the state of Hawaii, actually, now that I think about it, has started to investigate that here in the United States, where it's like, hey, uh, this is essentially a casino aimed at kids with Star Wars on the cover. And so they're wow. going to start looking. <laughs> so this is getting to be some serious business. It's, it's crazy. They've, they've messed wow. it up for the entire uh, industry here. So keep your eyes out for this. Interesting. That, so, so we have to stop the podcast now so you guys can go away and read um, Neil Stevenson's book called Reamdy from a couple of years ago, three, four years ago, I guess. And uh, it's about a, a bunch of guys who make an online gaming uh, platform, sort of similar to like World of Warcraft and how it gets corrupted by by hackers. And and, uh, and there's a whole ransom deal in there. And it's it, it's a sign of the times. I think maybe some of the hackers have read the book. Mm. They're, they're basically putting those principles into practice, right? So I have to clear my throat, sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the next one. The next one takes a little bit of unpacking. So I'd originally posted one link that we'll have in the show notes, but there are several steps to this. One is that uh, DC Comics is going to have its own digital streaming service next year, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to have the third season of the Young Justice animated series, and uh, apparently will have its own live action adaptation of the Titans comics. And then on top of that, there's apparently going to be a Harley Quinn animated series on that same streaming service. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of a lot to unpack there in that little bit of follow-up. Wow, wow. And the, the uh, Harley Quinn series sounds really interesting because they're going to base it off of the the most recent DC Comics incarnation, uh, which was really fun. And there's a rumor afloat on their internets that uh, that they want uh, Margot Robbie to reprise her role as the voice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that could be a pretty big deal. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I think she should do it. I think if, you know, she's she's already carved out a nice niche for herself with that character. I think it'd be great if she could pick that up and run with it. Right. Cool. So do you want to talk about Thor Ragnarok now or do you want to throw that in with Justice League later? 
I mean, I think just briefly, a uh, non-spoiler review, I think I would agree very much with uh, Jonathan's review and that it's a very fun movie. Um, yeah. And it starts out, um, you know, with the first foot going forward as a bit of comedy. So yeah. uh, definitely worth watching. There are two end credit se- sequences. So stick around after the show for that. And uh, I, I think one thing that really comes to my mind um, and we'll compare and contrast with uh, Justice League, I think, is that Marvel really earned this because everything that goes on in this film has built up in some sort of way, you know, whether it's the relationships or the world building, all sorts of things have been built up over you know several years and several Marvel movies worth of stuff. They, they reference certain things. They you know have relationships that um, I think make sense within the context of the movie, but will have even more depth and flavor to them if you have been watching all the Marvel movies. You know, from what Iron Man I think is the one that kicked off the whole Marvel series now. Yeah, and when you compare that with uh, what DC is doing with um, Justice League and Wonder Woman, Batman versus Superman. I think they're trying to rush it a little too much and they, they haven't mm. quite earned that same thing that Marvel has gotten to. So that, that's kind of an interesting challenge. But uh, we'll talk more about Justice League later. But as far as Thor Ragnarok goes, that also gets my thumbs up. So go see it. That's two thumbs up, right? Yep. Two out of three podcasters agree. One of us is undecided because, yeah, it's the whole he's a god thing that bothers me. But anyway. Yeah, but they do a good job of, of uh, you know, putting him low in this. They, they you know, they do a good job of, of you know, casting him down literally into garbage to really sort of put him in a place of, of pitiable place uh, as opposed to where he's been high and mighty the last few films. It's It, right, right. it does go oh, some interesting places. Yeah, and uh, without spoiling stuff, like there are major changes that, that change the Marvel Universe and change Thor and his relationships um, permanently. Like there's, there's no going back on stuff. So I really appreciate that. There's not like a magic reset button, which again, we'll talk about in Justice League, I think, when we get the spoiler part. Sure, sure. Um, okay. I would call it uh, hella good. So go see it. Hella good. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Okay, so, so I'm just scrolling through this post you have here about the Game of Thrones. What's this guy about? Oh, so this was this was fun too. This was yesterday. So uh, HBO, if you'll recall, last uh, season got hacked and somebody was threatening to blackmail them over oh, right. yeah, episodes yeah. of Game of Thrones. They were going to release them online if they didn't get paid I think it was six million bucks they were asking for in ransom in bitcoins so uh, the follow-up to that is yesterday the US Department of Justice announced that they've uh, charged uh, this person whose name is Bazad Mezri uh, who's an Iranian citizen um, whose aka is Skot Vashat uh, he's a hacker that used to work for the Iranian military he's been indicted and charged with one count of wire fraud one count of computer hacking three counts of threatening to impair the confidentiality of information, one count of aggravated identity theft, and one count of interstate transmission of an extortionate communication, which is an awesome charge, by the way. So, uh, I mean, he's looking at like a hundred years for all these things if you add them up, Uh, but he is also not uh, in custody. So, good luck getting the Iranians to deport uh, Bazad Mezri for his crimes, but uh, they still went ahead and charged him, and uh, so now he's a wanted man for trying to uh, extort six million bucks out of HBO and he actually did release a bunch of that uh, material that he pulled off he got 
got episodes of some of their shows, including Game of Thrones, and released them online. He also got uh, confidential employee data, apparently. Nice, nice. Okay, like I said before, stop the podcast. Go read ReamD quickly. <laughs> this stuff will be all, it'll, be, it'll be comical. It's like it's like somebody's invented the transporter, you know? Yeah. Anywho, all right. So I have a follow-up piece here. I was just uh, watching um, Inner Space, and they just did a quick little special on Star Trek, I guess, because there's it's been a slow news day for them, um, which Jonathan and I will appreciate as something that we know about. Hmm. Um, apparently, according to them, there are 727 episodes of Star Trek that you could currently go and enjoy. And I think I think part of this reason why they did this this piece was they're um, they're involved with uh, Crave TV, so they're you know they're they're reshowing all of those shows on Crave TV, right? So, so including the Discovery uh, episodes as well. So they they went through and they did a top five of uh, of a couple of couple of top fives, uh, or actually four of them. Um, so they did the top five classic uh, shows. We can go through them if you like. Would you like to go through them? Yes, sir. All right, all right. Number five. And they, this is the, the T.O. What do we call it? Um, T.O.S. T.O.S., the original series. Number five, A Mock Time, where uh, Kirk and McCoy, you know, have to save uh, Spock from himself because he's, you know, in heat. Yeah. <laughs> As we talked about before, Mirror, Mirror, number four is uh, number four. Episode number four is Mirror, Mirror is the, uh, the uh, episode with the evil Spock. Uh, of course, Trouble, tra- trouble with Tribbles, everybody's, everybody's favorite, it seems. Um, in, in fact, I think they only said that the Tribbles were only on three or four episodes of... Uh, Including the animated series, as a matter of fact, right? But they've only ever appeared in, and but everybody knows what a triple is, kind of thing, which is interesting. Balance of Terror, which I think is uh, that's the one I was talking about before that last week, in fact, which started starred Mark Leonard, Mark Leonard as a um, Romulan captain who goes, you know, plays a you know head-to-head game with uh, Kirk, and of course, City on the Edge of Forever, uh, starring Joan Collins, um, which won a, a Hugo Award back in the day. Hugo Award for those of you who don't know or, or transporting at home is a uh, award that's given out to you know, the, the top is it like the Academy Awards of Science Fiction um, so that was that um, they did the top five captains which I kind of thought was a bit pretty much a no-brainer and and because aren't there only like six or seven captains in this whole series I guess now we've added two more in Discovery right but uh, aren't there there aren't there aren't that many captains in, in Star Trek lore to pick from right anyway yeah I mean, if you're talking like headliners for series um, yeah. you would only have the five and then we'd have to discuss whether Captain Lorca is, <laughs> is considered like Within like the the sixth one or not, considering that Michael Burnham well, there's also, is uh, there's also Sulu, right? And and uh, didn't uh, wasn't Riker a captain at one point? Yeah, sure. So I think they meant probably the headliners, but without knowing how they compiled the list, it's a little hard to say. Like I'm sure there was some random yeah. captain in some random episode who might be the ultimate captain, but judged by some uh, rather arbitrary criteria. But so should we tell our listeners uh, what the list is? Sure. Yeah. Ooh. So Archer Archer number five, Janeway number four, Cisco number three, even though he wasn't a star. A captain. Per oh, se. He, he was. He got promoted. Oh, did he? A yeah. captain, or he was a commander? No, no, he was commander when he started. He became a captain throughout the run of the series. Oh, because he had that warship. He, he the defiant. Yeah, yeah. Defiant. Oh, defiant. Yeah. Okay. And um, Kirk, of course, was number two. Which you know, I, I'm sure there's probably people out there, you know, throwing their phones into the floor in disgust. Uh, and but Picard, number one. And uh, I think Picard overall. I mean, both of the two actors were you know classically trained actors, and I think in their time, you know, g- given what TV was in the '60s versus what TV was in the 80s, wasn't Picard was in the 80s, right? Yeah, it started in the 80s. Yeah, so um, quite good. And, and I, I remember thinking, I remember when Picard first came on board as captain, um, I remember the sort of people were going, I don't know about that guy, you know, but he he, he had some really interesting uh, portrayals, you know, over the time. Yeah, he got lucky in a way too, uh, Patrick Stewart playing that part, because he got to do it for seven seasons and four movies as opposed
opposed to, you know, when we have William Shatner, he only got to do it for three seasons and, you know, six movies or six, seven movies, I suppose. Right, right. Um, you almost got a little bit, you know, and obviously there's superior writing and, you know, modern standards and everything else. But, you know, you almost got twice as much Picard to weigh that on, too. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's it's funny, though, like with something like Kirk. Kirk is kind of in, in the rock music analogy. He's like uh, um, Robert Plant, for instance, right, who was in Led Zeppelin for a handful of years, right, as a very young man. And and yet he's had to carry that for the last 30 or 40 years, right, since uh, since Led Zeppelin folded or folded up, right? Yeah. And you, but, you know, so, so Kirk is the same thing, or, or William Shatner, and he's tried to re- resurrect himself, you know, what, TJ, was that TJ? TJ Hooker. TJ Hooker, and then he was the guy on uh, Legal Show, Boston Legal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Tech Wars in, in there, somewhere in between. Well, he wrote Tech Wars. I don't know if you know that, but he wrote, he had a whole series of books. I read those books before they made it into a show, right? So those are quite good books. And uh, he's written a few, I think he's written one or two Star Trek episodes as well. Uh, no, books, novel, yeah. Novelizations, I mean, yeah. Yep. Anywho, so um, the top five t- uh, TNG or The Next Generation, um, Damak was number five. Darmok? Darmok, yeah. Yes, I've forgotten this expression. It's Darmok and Tajar. No, no, no. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Come on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Come on. I just, I, I just watched it. I couldn't remember it. Um, yesterday's Enterprise, which was the one you were, guys were telling me about that I completely gapped on, which which uh, Tashiar comes back, right? Yeah. Um, the Measure of a Man, which is an interesting one where um, they put uh, data on trial because the, the uh, Starfleet decides they want to dissect him, yeah. take part and figure out how he works, right? And uh, Picard defends him at the end of the show by saying, you know, we're here to seek out new life and there's new life sitting right in front of us. So I guess he wins the day there. Um, the Inner Light won a Hugo Award in the Inner Light. I'm trying to draw, I'm drawing a blank on what that one was. Oh, that was, that's such a great episode. That's oh, the one yeah, where yeah, he, yeah. he goes and lives the entire alternate life in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the planet and it, it all happens in his mind in the span of, you know, whatever is an yeah, hour. Sure, and he yeah, lives 40 yeah. years in his consciousness. That's a, you're right. That's a great, that's actually my favorite episode of Star Trek. Yeah, that's uh, one of my favorites. It's such a beautiful episode. So, so poignant and so well acted by uh, Patrick Stewart. Such a, such yeah, a sure. beautiful performance. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Best of Both Worlds, which you guys have talked about a couple of times, which I think is a two-parter yeah. um, mm-hmm. with the cliffhanger in the middle where Picard gets taken over by and becomes Locutus, right? Yeah. Of Bork. Interesting that he doesn't have a number. Or does he have a number? I don't know. We'll watch, we'll watch it. No, he's designated as Locutus. Okay, so the top uh, five DS9s, or Deep Space Nines, are Call to Arms, which I can't remember now that I say it. That was Trials the one during tri- the Dominion War where they mine the wormhole. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trials and Tribulations is, uh, again, another one of my favorite ones because that's the one where they cross over into um, the uh, the old series and they have they blend the two footages together and um, they've got, uh, I've got her name, uh, Dax yep. as the hots for the good looking, you know, commander there. Yeah. Um, number three was The Visitor. Drawing a blank on, oh, that's the one where uh, um, Cisco's son, what's his name? Jake? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the one where, no, that's, I'm thinking of Too Far Beyond the Stars, right? Which one is the one where he goes off and lives his life in, in a time wormhole thing? You're right. I think you're, the, the Visitor is the one that, that has that where Cisco's lost in an accident on the, on the Defiant, I want to say. Yeah, he's frozen right. in time. Oh, right. right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, so is that just a, an alternate universe kind of thing or, or does he? No, that actually happens. He gets, he gets frozen in time and then Jake uh, gets to go back and visit him every 10 years, I think it is. Oh, really? And wow. He slowly tries to figure out how to, to get him as they reunite. He tries to figure out how to get him out of the loop and okay, Tony yeah. Todd comes back and places him as an adult. And, and Tony Todd is? Uh, he was, oh God, he played, um, 
Kern uh, on Next Generation as well. The the, the, uh, the Klingon. Cool. All right. And uh, Too Far Beyond the Stars. Now I'm drawing a blank on that one. I had to look that one up, but I, I, I <laughs> did not like that episode. It just didn't fit with me. But apparently I'm wrong because it's number two on Deep, Deep Space Nine's best ones. That's the one where it's like a 19, I want to say 1950s style. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The comic book writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Science fiction writer. Yeah, that's that's true. And and you get to see uh, all the characters without their... Yeah, like, without their makeup on and everything. Yeah. Quark. With Quark. As a, as a guy, you know, as yeah. opposed to a Ferengi, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very strange, yeah. And the uh, number one one is In the Pale Moonlight. And of course, I'm drawing a blank on that one now, too. Jonathan, you want to take that one? It, you know what? It <laughs> occurs to me, I don't know these by name. In the- oh, man. Okay, so I'll, I'll take this one then. Um, I, I was being gracious, but... Oh, no, you, you go ahead. I'll, I'm sure it'll jar my memory. I'm just I think I don't remember the name. So In the Pale Moonlight is arguably the episode that I will use every time somebody is like, oh, no, Lorca's like too evil. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me tell you about this thing. Oh, the, that's the, the one where he tricks did. them into joining the... Oh, that's yeah, such Yeah, where they trick the Romulans into joining the war against the Dominion. Oh, that's such a good episode. highly unethical what they do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this one where he, talk, he, he narrates what he's doing through the whole show? Exactly, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen that episode. I'll have to go back and try and find it. Oh, on yeah, Crave TV or whatever, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely find that one be, and, and, and watch it because it... Oh, it's on the Netflix app. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll give you a, a fine appreciation for sort of how things have evolved into discovery and how they sort of present the world. So now it's interesting that we just talked about, you know, Janeway and Archer and all these sort of crossover things, because now we can move right into the Orville because we had a crossover there as well. So, um, so this was it. We talked, we discussed uh, previously. Oh yes. Spoilers for those of you who haven't watched episode 10 of the uh, Orville. We are going to talk about episode 10, the firestorm now. Um, They're taking a break, I guess, till November 30th. Somebody says here, right? Yeah. This week's Uh, Thanksgiving. So yeah. So we, we've had the uh, exposition episode on, uh, Mercer and his uh, partner, ex-wife Kelly Grayson. Here. Kelly Grayson, thank you. And we've had the the other characters have had all their the doctors had her exposition episode. So this was Alara's, which we assumed would be coming up soon. Uh, oh, Bordis had one with his his partner and his and his uh, gender questioned baby, gender challenged baby. Um, and so yeah, so this was Alara. So why don't you guys take it away since you guys put the notes in here? Uh, uh, I guess I can go. These these were my notes. Okay, uh, you're so it. The, yeah, you're it. Yeah, thanks. The episode uh, starts with uh, the Orville in a plasma storm. Uh, they're being rocked about. They're getting pretty shaken up. Uh, getting hit by a bolt of plasma that hits the engineering department and uh, knocks loose some of the, the construction of the of the ship. Bulkheads. They're called bulkheads. Bulkheads. Lands on one of the engineers and uh, pins him to the ground. And uh, although the engineers try and help uh, remove this thing, they can't lift it. So they call for Alara, who of course uh, as a Salean superhuman, yes. super strong. Well, she's not a human, but she's super strong. So she uh, runs down to engineering, and when she gets there, she's blocked by a path. Uh, her pathway is blocked by fire, and she freezes up. She can't keep bring herself to get through the fire. She's too afraid. And while she's standing there waiting, another plasma bolt hits the ship, and another piece of the bulkhead falls down and crushes and kills uh, engineer Payne. And so Alara is really freaked out about the fact that, you know, something caused her to freeze up like that. She's never had that kind of reaction before. So she calls up her mom and dad to ask them if there was some reason why she should feel like this, something that she doesn't remember. And, of course, her dad is Robert Picardo, uh, who, of course, played the doctor on Voyager. Uh, So we had our first... Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Yeah, we've got our first big Trek Orville universes collide here. Uh, So he plays uh, Alara's dad. He gets some pretty funny lines where, you know, 
know, uh, he's trying to convince her that she's, you know, wasting her life on uh, the Orville and that she can do better than that kind of job. And, and uh, it starts belittling her for choosing to be a security chief. And she says, well, you know, security chief is a very respectable position, you know, in the human community. And he says, you know, oh, of course, humans, the hillbillies of the galaxy. <laughs> so uh, the, the episode continues with uh, her mom telling her that she actually was uh, involved in a fire when she was a little girl. And so it was before she had sort of conscious memory, but clearly it made a mark on her psyche. And as the episode starts progressing, she starts having these weird visions where she's pretty sure she sees a crazy clown in the corridor. And so she thinks she's losing her mind. She thinks she's hallucinating, but then she checks in with the rest of the crew and sure enough, they have video footage of of this green-haired, psychotic-looking clown actually running through the hallways, but then disappearing. So they can't put that together. They don't know what's happening. Um, which leads to a very funny conversation on the bridge about what, why are clowns scary? What makes clowns scary? The like Isaac asks, why? Why would clowns be scary? Um, so some some funny stuff there, including the line which I liked, which was, you know, a hobo. Was it a hobo clown? Why? Why was yeah, it a hobo? So. Hobo clowns are the most dangerous because they're hungry. <laughs> so right, right. as the episode continues, there gets you know, more and more sort of creepy things are happening on the ship. Uh, Alara confronts the creepy clown again in the, in a darkened uh, shuttle bay. Uh, they have a fight. She vaporizes him. Uh, so, you know, th- something weird is happening here. They're trying to figure out if it was related to the plasma storm, if there's an alien presence on the ship, what's going on. And uh, as the episode progresses, uh, the co- she's walking down the, Alara's walking down the corridor with Gordon when uh, Spider, a giant spider, spider appears and eats Gordon, which was pretty darn funny in spite of the fact that Gordon dies. Uh, and as the episode progresses, more and more creepy things happening. At one point, this uh, bunch of little tarantulas show up in the, the briefing room and then they disappear. So they're trying to figure it out. Eventually, Alara realizes that she can't find the rest of the crew. She's trapped on the ship and she's alone. And uh, so then she's having this weird you know, experience. How is she going to get out of this? They're heading back towards the plasma storm to see if they can figure out what's going on there and in the end uh, it turns out that the whole thing was a simulation. It's a dream. Yep. It's all a simulation which of course it was. Uh, it turns out that she had used Directive 38 to do a security override. She'd under, undergone short-term memory wipe and uh, she had had these fears put into herself to test herself to see if there was anything else she was afraid of because she was afraid she was going to be afraid or something like that. Right, right. So they, yeah, they couldn't bring her out of it. And that's what the Directive 38 was. I guess, right? Yeah, well, she yeah, she basically put a security override on so that not even the captain could could wake her up until she solved the problem right, or whatever. Right. Uh and yeah, just and then it just sort of ends. The episode just sort of ended. So it was a weird, you know, it was it was kind of clear, you know, again, it was a bit of a trope. They were kind of going, you know, like I don't think any of us thought that Gordon got eaten by a giant space spider and there was a creepy clown for some reason on the ship, but uh and then yeah, the episode just sort of ended. I thought a little abruptly after that where they were like, "Oh, Alara, don't do that again. You're going to get okay, and good night." That was sort of... Yeah. In my notes, I have a little too Kirk-like in rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. So very strange. I, it's funny, whenever Mercer gets, turns on that sort of, you know, uh, important dad type talk or captain yeah. type talk, very, I just can't take it from Seth MacFarlane. I'm sorry. <laughs> Peter Griffin. In fact, I forget that Peter Griffin is Seth MacFarlane sometimes, right? Yeah. You, you can hear Brian the dog if you just, you know, because that's his, pretty much his speaking voice is Brian the dog. Oh, that's true. Or even Stewie. Yeah, exactly. And he's, he's yeah. starting to get a little preachy. You can hear an awful lot of Brian the dog giving speeches, you know, 
know, it just, yeah. It, yeah. But uh, I don't know. You, we were talking again. We talked about this uh, the last few weeks that they were sort of slowly doing the exposition, get to know something about the character episodes. What did you guys think about this as, as that episode for Alar? Do you feel like you know that character better now? No. Well, no. <laughs> I, I, except to say that she she has some flaws. But then again, I, I don't see her as a, as like a, I don't see her as like a wharf or, or, um, or Tasha Yar in terms of like managing security for this entire, you know, ship, right? Um, but then that may just be my, my prejudice because she's a young lady, young, young girl, right? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know. It, it, I think you were saying before, I think a, a couple of weeks ago, you said that there's like seven episodes that are good, seven episodes that are okay, and then seven that are throwaways, right? Yep. Um, and this is, a, I think this is a throwaway, right? I don't, I don't think, I don't think it matters that we really get to know Alara all that much. In fact, we probably could get to know her over over the time, unless they're thinking that this isn't going to run for seven, eight years, like most shows that are successful do, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the argument is, though, we're talking about traditional television where you get 21, 22, yeah, yeah, yeah. 24 episodes. Um, you know, the other thing that I linked to for our uh, audience here is an article that uh, they've announced they've cut this down. So they're only going to do 12 episodes. Uh, oh, really? The entire season. This was episode 10. So there's two more episodes. This week, they're taking uh, the week off because of U.S. Thanksgiving. Uh, and then there's two more episodes and that's it for the entire season. They're coming back again until next fall. So mm-hmm. uh, they've actually, they haven't cut the episode. They're going to include it in the next season. But So by comparison, how many family guys do they do in a season? Uh, that's a good question. I would say it's closer to the 20s. Right, right. Because that must be taken, must take a long time to sort of draw, do the drawing and stuff like that rather than just shooting it. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, I don't know what the production time on that is. I mean, you know, the voice recording probably is a shorter process, but the, then obviously the filming, acting, everything else, but then the animation would take a long time. So it's true. And then there's also fam, American Dad, right? That's another show. Is that still on or? That's a, another good question. I don't know. I, I must admit, I, I think after the first couple episodes, I tuned out of, uh, of that and never went back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 20 episodes, apparently. That's what they do per season. Is, uh, right, right. How many seasons have been on? Uh, they are starting, or they just started season 16. Wow. Now, 16 to, seasons? To be fair, they took a few years off there because remember, it ran for three years and then it got canceled and then it came out on DVD and everybody loved it. So they brought it back four years later. Oh, okay. And it's been running again nonstop since 2005. Right, right. Interesting. That's another one of those ones that I'm, I'm waiting for when I'm sick in, in the hospital and have nothing else to do but watch you know endless TV shows. The Family Guy? Yeah. <laughs> Family Guy is, a, is an excellent guilty pleasure. It's a perfect, perfect Netflix show. They're 20 minutes a piece, 22 minutes a piece. Uh, you could just sit down and digest an hour's worth, it, laugh, you know, sporadically or heartily depending on the episode it's it's a it's the perfect binge show yeah i love i love the characters you gotta you're right is that so that's on netflix on netflix guy? yep yep and oh, okay, cool. I, I it's one of those shows for me that has completely fallen off my weekly radar i don't watch it on a weekly basis but every time they drop a season on netflix i will sit and watch the whole thing over the course of two or three days and laugh my butt off and then not think about it again for another 362 days right but there's also the blue harvest as well right oh that whole series was fantastic that the yeah. The Star Wars. Star Wars, yes, their homage to Star Wars. I, I wish I could show that to my sons, but then they don't know what Family Guy is, so that wouldn't half the jokes wouldn't work. Right, right. Why well, is, I also love the, it's a play between Family Guy and um, and Robot Chicken with this the, yeah. the Star because because um, uh, what's the name of the kid that plays Seth Green? Um, Seth Green is the voice mm-hmm. of the son, right? Yeah, yeah. Who has a name and I can't remember what it is. Right Chris, now. Chris, Chris. Yeah, right. yeah. 
Yeah. What about you, Jaime? What did you uh, What did you think of uh, of getting the get to know Alara episode? Yeah, I don't think it's um, quite as good as a character episode as some of the other ones we mentioned. Um, it's an okay episode. I think it plays better as a Halloween episode. So if they had shuffled the deck and instead of having majority rule take place, um, I think they could have had this one instead. It probably would have played better like a Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors kind of episode. I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah. The clown was legitimately creepy. So I mean, it's a good job on that one. But um, the episode was kind of so-so. I think I agree with you. Yeah. Has there been a Treehouse of Horrors for every Halloween season? Uh, they didn't do one in season one. Oh, okay. <laughs> what happened there? I wonder. Well, I, I guess they, that, they had the idea going into season two and it's just carried on ever since. I actually watched this year's Treehouse of Horrors when it was on for the first time in a few years and it was funny as heck. I, I, I thought it was really funny. I, I don't watch Simpsons again. I don't watch it very much anymore, but uh, but I really watched. I enjoyed this week, this year's yeah. episode. Interesting. All right. So that's it. I think that's it for, oh yeah. So we talked about the fact that, so two episodes left. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we've, we we don't have a lot more, uh, lot, lot more to go this year and then we're into. Uh, well, were we really expecting a lot from the Orville in, in retrospect? Like were we really expecting to be all that whiz bang? And we, I think we thought it was going to be more funnier than it is, right? Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, just based on, mm-hmm. on the style of stuff that he does, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think when you hear Seth MacFarlane, you just assume it's going to be a humorous piece. Well, you expect to be campy. You expect, you expect Spaceballs, the, the series kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like the the, the offhand jokes and, the, you know, like the, cor- the, the glory hole and stuff like the that. The glory hole, yeah. References and stuff like that all the, all the way through. But you don't get that. So. Interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I just look at the special effects and the, the money they must be throwing at that. Like, you know, amazing. Yeah. Although, again, this week, you know, other than the makeup budget, they didn't really blow a lot of money. Again, we, we talked about how much those first few episodes felt like, you know, wow, look at the production value on this. This is, this is better Trek than Trek. And yeah. then it was, you know, let's shoot one in a... We went back to 21st century America. Oh, let's do one in the scrub brush outside of say, of, say, of uh, Los Angeles. Like, and this one was just, we've already built let's, these sets. Let's build a corridor, yeah. Yeah, like let's run her down the corridor. Let's run her back down the same corridor, but the opposite way. So, yeah. Change the camera angle, yep. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder what they're going to do to wrap this up. I wonder if it's going to end on, uh, you know, a Trek-style cliffhanger or if it's going to end on, uh, you know, they're just going to do a couple of more episodes and they're out. If we're going to get more world building from them or where, where they're going to go from maybe it. maybe they'll do a firefly thing and just not show the last two episodes <laughs> <laughs> followed by a film five years later yeah yeah and a, and a dvd box set right no no they've already announced season two hi told us last week that we're getting a oh, season that's two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. well maybe they'll do that for that one they'll, they'll do different yeah yeah all righty so hey let's talk about justice league we all went to see justice league last week uh surprisingly yep yeah i was hoping yeah, so. we could split this into two so one would be kind of like the the non-spoiler thoughts and then the big spoiler okay. warning and then lots of spoilers sure okay well i mean like so let, let's so let's let's talk about this because I, I don't think we've ever sort of really sort of delved into where my uh, appreciation of comics comes from but because i used to buy comic books every every weekend my parents would give me allowance and i would i would buy casper and superman and spider-man i'd buy like one right so when the justice league came on tv like the original like in the, i guess the, the late 70s or whenever it came on tv i used to watch it all the time right so uh, and i'm a huge batman fan and so i was also i also went back and you know 
when the Christopher Reeves Supermans came on TV. I, I watched all of those as well. The black and white ones and the color ones. George so, Reeves. George Reeves. George Reeves. Sorry. Yes. Christopher Reeves, the other guy. And of course, I was around for the Superman movie, right? And this, I'm going to talk a bit about this, of course, in my in the, uh, in the my pick. But So Justice League has, has always sort of had a soft spot in my heart or in terms of where I sort of go to when I think about comics, you know, Spider-Man, Superman, and Batman. And it's all based on what I saw on TV primarily, right? Um, but you guys come at it from a different point of view because you guys had you guys went through the X-Men and the whole Marvel universe too. And I really didn't, I know Spider-Man's a Marvel character, but um, I didn't get that whole sort of thing. So what do you guys think about Justice League? Where does it fit into your sort of um, love-hate kind of relationships sort of thing? The Justice League concept itself. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it was, you know, it was always one of those, uh, it was one of those staples. I, mu- I must admit, I think we talked about it last week or maybe the week before we talked about uh, how I started out as, you know, uh, more of a Marvel fan. I read X-Men, I read Spider-Man and then sort of migrated towards uh, DC later. Um, and my first taste of Justice League was very unconventional as far as those things go. Um, a lot of people, when they think about Justice League, think about the, you know, the big uh, lineup of superheroes, the, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, Aquaman, and uh, Martian Manhunter is actually the other character that's not Cyborg. Um, <laughs> this, well, again, it was, you know, like, hey, we've who got the a, hell is Cyborg? I'm sorry. We, we've got a token woman in there. We we don't have places for minorities. That's where this was not, 1960s. We're not there yet. Um, but I uh, got introduced to Justice League by reading the reboot of the DC Universe that they did. Uh, they did a big, huge crossover series in the mid-1980s called Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was this sort of landmark 12-issue limited series where they took all of the continuity from the 1940s until then that had, you know, all these different versions of Superman, different versions of Batman, the multiverse, and they compressed it all into one world. So they brought all these random divergent storylines into one thing. And as part of that, they relaunched uh, they relaunched Superman, they relaunched Wonder Woman, The Flash, and they relaunched the Justice League. And the Justice League actually was, uh, it was a vaguely comedic series. It was kind of like the Orville. It was uh, Batman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter. Um, it didn't have uh, Flash or Wonder Woman because they were off on other, their own books and everything. Um, but they brought this book forward that was actually really tongue-in-cheek and funny. It was almost like, what if these guys were, uh, you know, a club of heroes where they got together and kind of ragged on each other a little bit and made fun of each other a little bit. And it was it was one of my favorites, still is one of my all-time favorite books. It was called Justice League and then it was called Justice League International. And it was fantastic. And then it wasn't until later when uh, after yet another <laughs> reboot and another, re- you know, this happens about every eight to ten years in comic books, they rebooted Justice League again uh, and called it JLA. Justice League of America, JLA. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. JLA got booted as this, uh, you know, they brought back the, the core group. It was, you know, Batman and Superman, Flash, Wonder Woman, uh, you know, the, the core team. And it was written by Grant Morrison, who's one of the most iconic writers of the last 25 years of comic books. And he wrote it for about, about five years. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing and still one of my favorite runs by any creator on a book. Um, and for me, that really cemented this is, this is important. Like these are, this is like a, a touchstone book. And DC's made a good effort over the last 20 years to make sure that that book gets relevant creators. They had Jim Lee working on it. They had Jeff Johns working on it. They've had their A-list talent making sure that this is an important book that, that merits your attention. So it started out as something that was not necessarily right in my radar, but over the course of time really cemented into something 
something that is an important pillar of my comic book enjoyment. Um, so when they started talking abstractly about, hey, let's do a Justice League movie, um, and it had been rumored for years and years and years they were going to do this, and then it seemed obviously inevitable when they started to reboot this universe with Man of Steel what was five years ago. Uh, I was excited. I was excited to see those in the same way I was excited to see the Avengers come to life on my screen, the same way right, I was excited yeah. to see Ant-Man on my screen, and you know, forgive me for saying so, but at the same way I was excited to see Howard the Duck come to life on my screen. Right, yeah, yeah. I was mm-hmm. excited that they would finally get to see these characters interacting on a on a big screen, and you know, they they do know how to push those buttons. They do know how to tell, you know, put you in those places where you're like, man, I can't believe I'm watching Batman talk to Aquaman. I can't believe I'm watching the Flash and Wonder Woman share, share a moment. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting concept when you think about, like, it's like, you know, um, when you play, like, an analogy would be like the NHL, you know, games where, like the game system games, where you could put Mary Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr and, you know, um, Ken Dryden or whatever in, or Patrick Waugh in this, on the same team against whoever, right? Kind of thing. So it's like a dream team, if you will, of, of like the American American uh, Olympic basketball team kind of thing. You know, you get the best players from the country and put them all in one battle against whoever and you just go out there and kick ass, and, right? And before we, before, because I want to hear Jaime's take on this, but before we yeah, do man. that, I will just drop in one line by saying that's an excellent analogy, Tim, but what you're talking about now is you've just assembled the U.S. 1992 men's basketball team or the 72 right. Canadian team. Who did they play against in this movie? The Russians. No, they did freaking not play the Russians in no, this movie. They played Team Japan. This was this was not a list villainy. This was this was not this was not like let's pull out our A game. We're gonna have the Justice League out. We're gonna have the biggest, baddest, most impressive villain. Oh, you mean because they battled off with against Ultraman for for argument's sake? <laughs> yeah, they, they, <laughs> okay. they did Mega not Man. pull out Team Russia. Okay, this was not Russia. So I did not see yeah. Tretiak and Goal on this one. No that's way. True, that's true. True. You, you, yes. True. That's true. Yeah. You, and I'm, I have a I have a phrase we're going to drop, but let, let's hear what what Jaime's idea of the Justice League in general, not necessarily this movie, Jaime. Yeah. So I think similar to Jonathan, I remember reading the Justice League America comics and Justice League Europe, which had oh yeah, Ball, uh, Booster Gold and um, Blue Beetle, and, and I think Fire and Ice might have been on that one, but they could have been on America. I can't remember which which side when they, when they had their their team set up. Yep. And uh, I also enjoyed the uh, you talked about the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series. I would also say, given what I talked about in Thor Ragnarok, they also earned those series because they had two predecessor series, the Batman, wonderful Batman animated series that was yeah. very uh, adult, uh, even though it was ostensibly for kids, and the um, less successful but still pretty good Superman series. Yeah. And they brought both of those characters sort of as is from their continuities as well as their voice actors. And so they, they built up a lot going into those series. And it was just a, a great ensemble. Yep. Um, and it is kind of interesting to contrast them with the, the Avengers because you would think, man, this is like easy mode. Um, the Avengers, the most recognizable one for like a random person in the world would probably be the Hulk um, yep. because, you know, big green monster and Lou Ferrigno's uh, series from like the 70s or 80s. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on the on the other side, you got like everybody in the world knows Superman. Everybody in the world knows Batman. Just about everybody in the world knows Wonder Woman. So you would think this would be the, the easiest thing. And I think Marvel has done a better job of uh, of working with that. And with the Justice League, for me, it, uh, I lean towards uh, DC Comics, uh, having uh, grown up with them more so than, than Marvel, even though they joked both. And so for me, it's, it's been interesting to see how this has played out with um, Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman, I guess Suicide Squad's in between there, and then this movie. So it's uh, it's a little sad in some respects, but uh, 
non my non spoiler review, I think of stuff will will maybe change things a little bit. <laughs> All right. So with that out of the way, um, the Wicked Witch of the West called. She wants her flying monkeys back. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, they've gone on steroids or something. Like it's that's you know, true. That's true. Yeah, they, they, they were, they were zombie up. flying monkeys. Yeah. Okay. Admittedly. Yeah. 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 This is the undead version of the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So do we want to do a non spoiler one before we do a spoiler one or? Yeah. Let's let's try let's try and do a non spoiler one. All right. <laughs> All right, Jaime, you dive in with non spoiler first. Let's hear let's hear your thoughts non spoiler version. Yeah. The the non spoiler review uh, I, I tweeted about a few days ago when I went to go see the movie. Um, I think it's a fun movie and I think it's worth seeing. Now, as pointed out by um, a friend of mine who, who pinged me from India, who's like, dude, you're like the first person I've heard say good things about Justice League. I said, well, really, yeah, it's not a great movie and I'm not even sure that it's a good movie, but it's a fun movie. It's a good popcorn movie. You can go and enjoy yourself. And, and if you watch it on the big screen, I think you'll enjoy it more than you will uh, watching it through like a Redbox DVD or Netflix or something. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was a collection of moments. Some of those moments were, you know, hit me right in the sweet spot of, you know, those those iconic, I mean, say what you will about Zack Snyder, but the man can frame a shot. There's some really cool moments that are put together in there. Uh, but uh, it definitely, it, it definitely left me wanting, especially as we discussed a moment ago in the villain department. I think that was, you know, it's, it's amazing to see those characters brought to life in that way. It's amazing to see them interact with each other and I thought all of the actors did a good job of capturing elements that I like about those characters. But uh, I, I'm not sure as a whole you could say that it's a good picture. I don't know. I thought it blowed up real good. You know, it's. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, the thing I, the Avengers bothers me a lot is that they're constantly throwing each other around into buildings and crashing. There's a lot of collateral damage in, in the Avengers, whereas there wasn't, there was some collateral damage in, the, in these movies. Like, in, I mean, like, you know, cars being... Man of steel, man. Man of Steel. Well, yeah, I'm going to agree with Jonathan on that one. I was talking about this movie, not Man of Steel. I, I, as you remember, I fell asleep during the Man of Steel, which meant there was probably too much action going on in that one. But um, there's another story behind that. But yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, again, like exactly right. Like the thing about it is, is when there's just too much like throwing around and too much just gratuitous, you know, tossing around of things. It just it just doesn't sit right with me, right? And I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm not really buying the Superman and Batman don't get along thing, you know. Um, and I, I didn't buy it too much in in the previous movie either. Probably because you know, in in it's like trying to tell me that that any Star Wars movie is bad because you know there's an adolescent in me that remembers the relationship that those guys had back in the day, and they can't erase that from my mind. You know, I still when I think of Batman, I still think of Adam West and you know Pow and Zap and Zing, and you know uh, he never took himself very seriously, right? Uh, whereas Superman was always super serious, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I didn't mind it. It was it was a good. Like you, like you know, you guys were talking about going to see Pacific Rim and Pacific Rim, Rim Two. You know, the 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 rise of whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to go. <laughs> you know, like to me that was a that was a stupid movie. Like like I don't even buy into the idea. So you know, <laughs> but so so for me the Superman, Batman, and uh, sort of the, or, or the Justice League thing. I was just happy to see the five people, like you said, on on screen. Except for I just don't get Cyborg, right? Um, other than like you said, he's he's the token visible minority guy, right? Um, well, to be fair, Momoa is uh, also a person of color, 
character, but well, which one's that? Uh, Aquaman. Oh, yeah, right, Aquaman. Okay, well, Aquaman had blonde hair and 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 green pants when I knew Aquaman, right? Yeah, and he talked to the whales. He'd go, oh, and the whales would come, right? Boom, 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 boom. That's how I remember that sound with the the uh, concentric circles leaving his head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they touched on that in the movie too, and we we get into the spoiler side, but he they do touch on that that he you know he he actually has some abilities beyond the the jokey ones sure yeah i mean as it it again it was like for me it was it, that casting was almost they might as well have cast the rock for all i for all i know that character i know him i know him from game of thrones obviously but you know in game of thrones he was quite a different different person because he barely spoke the language as it were right he had his own language right yeah um but you know and his care his his role in that in game of thrones was completely different but uh so i and i haven't really seen him in any any other things you know so yeah where's he from uh he's father is hawaiian and his mother is uh caucasian and i believe he was raised in iowa i want to say oh okay yeah yeah. interesting i didn't know his background i assumed he was maori uh given the way he looks and sounds but it sounds like i wasn't too far considering i had a pacific island uh, oh i got it right i looked it up there you go his his father is a native hawaiian his mother is uh german irish and native american and he was uh raised in uh hawaii and then went to colorado state Hmm. okay all right well let's do the uh spoiler version unless you guys have something more non-spoilerish to say yeah i think um big spoiler warning for anybody who has not seen justice league you might want to pause the episode and um then come back after you've you've hit the movie theater (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna miss our picks though yeah you want to come back for the picks yeah for sure yeah so we'll give you uh, i don't know 10 minutes go ahead i mean you guys talk for 10 minutes yeah i mean um well so i would agree that the villain was not was not like something i would have had as my first choice and i mean to be fair they did um show this at the, the very tail end of Batman versus Superman, right? Where, where Lex Luthor is like, he's coming and... But that wasn't Steppenwolf. That was Darkseid. Yeah, that's who I thought he was referring to. Um, but it looks like like it, like it does tie into Batman versus Superman. So I give them some extra uh, bonus points for, for doing that. But Steppenwolf, the uh, the conqueror, the, you know, of the new gods, and he's been born to be wild kind of guy. Um, I don't know. He just didn't... He, he wasn't anything other than random powerful villain that we have to beat up and i guess he does an okay job at, at that role um I, this might be completely uh blasphemous i actually think he's probably a better villain than Ares was in wonder woman uh yeah no that's pretty blasphemous <laughs> i think wonder <laughs> woman's probably a better movie but i don't i don't think that the villain was quite as good yeah i mean the villain at least i mean the thing about the wonder woman w- movie was that he was the cypher right you know again spoiler alert for the people who haven't watched wonder woman now we're getting into that too oh, but me yeah Hello. Hello. But uh, without spoiling too much of it, the basic premise is, is that they know that Ares is out there and they spend most of the film trying to uncover where and who Ares is. Right. Okay. So that at least had its own sort of you know, air of mystery or air of, you know, where's the big bad? When are we going to see the big bad? It had that anticipation. Whereas this was just kind of rammed down your throat. It was like, I'm big and scary and I've come back to mess up the earth. And it, it was really, it was, you know, it was a 66 Batman villain. Like it was really in your face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's with these, these magic stones that keep appearing in, in all these different things like Guardians of the Galaxy has one. Of course, Thor has them because he's from Asgard or whatever 
whatever. Yeah. Um, but the, these these stones and artifacts that keep showing up, I guess they're out of the comic book stories, and you put them all together, and they make this mighty, you know, in this case, you know, nuclear something or other that's gonna. Yeah, I mean, they kind of destroy everything, right? They kind of stretch that out of a, a premise in the comic books a little bit, but I mean, it's the thing is in uh, this the Marvel universe, they've used these things as MacGuffins towards building. Towards oh, that's what I'm. Yeah, thinking of Marvel. Marvel. It's kind of a Marvel. That's what I was sort of saying. It was kind of a ripoff from. Yeah. So that was it was the same thing, but Marvel, like Jaime was saying earlier, Marvel earned it, right? They built this right, up yeah. over the course of what a dozen pictures that there's this sort of building universe, and then there's this building threat behind this universe, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this was just like down your throat in a nanosecond. It was like, by the way, there's a thing. Here's the thing. We're gonna show you the thing. Let's go, you know. And oh, there's another thing, and here it is. And we're gonna get that other thing, and we're gonna bring them all together and make a thing. It's all gonna happen in this one movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're right, Tim. So from the Marvel side, you have the infinity stones that's what i'm getting mixed up with i see i'm getting mixed up like that's and, how and those, well i i understand why because those actually legitimately belong in the comics more or less the way they are in the marvel movies right you have six of them they each have their own abilities and thanos is trying to collect them and that's goes into the right. infinity gauntlet um uh graphic novel series uh, and that's going to be playing through everything now and will lead up into avengers infinity war in contrast uh this might need some fact checking and maybe jonathan can, can help here the mother boxes as portrayed in DC were never really infinity stone like from what I recall. They were more like magic computers that yep. would help you teleport from one place to another. Sentient, they they actually established, uh, there was a great series back when you and I were younger men, Jaime, that uh, the Mr. Miracle, who was a member of the Justice League mm-hmm. International, uh, Mr. Miracle had a mother box with him and the mother box was this sort of sentient little box computer that he kept with him who could help him through his adventures. Um, I, perhaps that's something they've done in, in more recent years this story of the mother boxes being all joined together that i have not been paying attention to i must admit i haven't read every single uh, dc book the last few years but i have no recollection of them ever being this kind of thing i think this was just hey let's find a thing that they can fight over that would bring these people together to try and stop the bad guy from doing the thing right right they become effectively like the infinity stones and also the matrix of leadership from the transformers movie yeah, that came, yeah. came to my mind based on the way it was uh, graphically designed and uh, I mean we're already in spoilers spoilers uh, the way it brings back Superman or how it takes part in that it is very similar to uh, Optimus right, Prime, right. Uh, spoilers yeah. for the Transformers movies yeah so can we talk about the rebirth of Superman because yeah, well, so what, let's, let's, let's back up here because so, so here's how much I got out of this Batman Superman movie I didn't even remember that he died in that movie right <laughs> so like, somebody had to tell me because I asked a friend at work okay how did or no I asked you Jonathan the other day I said how did he actually die because I don't remember that right but now I do because you explained it to me yeah. but yeah so and I do remember when you were reading the comic books at the time because you know I would see them going past the kitchen yep. every now and then and I would see Superman is dead kind of thing and everybody's like oh my god and then, and then there's like five Supermans that come back right the robot Superman and the bad Superman and the good Superman and yep. what have you um, so I so I, I understood that there was some sort of rebirth of Superman I mean like they couldn't let that go as a, as a property right yep. um, but yeah I, I don't know I, I just it was a little bit like again it's like it's like this whole you know thor is a god thing that that i have trouble with because you know i just don't buy that stuff but the the idea that somebody could be dead admittedly from another he's from another world and all that kind of stuff but yeah like the the whole grave digging scene and you know the they didn't do the thing where the, the corpse falls out of the you know the prat falls out of the, the coffin thing which they could have done if mel brooks was was producing this movie they would have done that for sure yeah right <laughs> um or they would have got the wrong head on him or something right um or his arm on backwards or something yeah. but 
um, yeah, I, it, again, it's like, <laughs> I was thinking about this actually as, as I'm watching the movie. I'm like, like, do they really expect me to suspend disbelief? And then I'm, then I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm watching Superman and Batman and like Wonder Woman, you know, Lasso of Truth and all that kind of stuff. So I guess, yeah, whatever they want to do, let's just throw it at me, right? Yeah. You know? I, I thought the, the parts that really, there's, there's only a few parts that sort of took me out, out of the movie experience. Uh, every time they showed the bad guy, because that was right. like yeah. PlayStation 2 level animation yeah yeah uh on on his depiction well the flying monkeys too right of course you know you know what i found them less because they were moving at least they kept focusing on steppenwolf as the bad guy and they would show his face and i was like it's it was just like those scenes in rogue one every time they showed tarkin's face it hits that uncanny valley Mm -hmm. of uh, it's just not right it's just not yeah yeah it's not a human face and i love they did the whole thing in motion capture and i love uh kieran hines who plays uh steppenwolf that's uh, he was Mance Raider on uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, he, fantastic actor. And I love his voice, like very menacing and everything. But it just it's just not right. There's no way they weren't battling a cartoon character. Like, And I get that in those scenes, essentially we were just watching a cartoon because, you know, I don't think they were, you know, in every one of those scenes, the Flash was running super fast and that Jason Momoa was, you know, riding a parademon into the floor of a building. And it, I get that it's a lot of CGI going on, but I think that was my problem with it was it just, it felt like it devolved into this chaotic cartoon and i think jaime nailed it like i'd rather watch the justice league cartoon it was amazeballs i don't need i don't need this you know like (laughs) there are better versions of the justice league as a cartoon like show me people show me practical show me dynamic show me a villain that i can not be weirded out by and i'm in but the whole thing just left me feeling very weird about the whole experience well even even like you know um when ben affleck takes off his shirt after the first sort of major skirmish and he's got all the bruises on his back and yet he's back like four hours later in the thick of it again like admittedly he's supposed to be a regular person he doesn't have any abilities as it were right he's his abilities he's rich right yeah as he says in the movie in the trailer too so much that's not a spoiler but um yeah i mean like like what does he have some some, some magic uh i don't know maybe he's got like a medical marijuana prescription or something that well just, no because it's at that point that he changes costumes too yeah but he puts on the heavy duty armor one right he, he so. puts on not quite the the full armor that he was wearing versus but uh some he looked he looked uncomfortable like he looked like the michelin man he was very beefed up like he just looked yeah like he was if you had given him a good stiff push he would have fallen on his back and died yeah 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 i like the guy who plays alfred though i gotta say in this in this series um jeremy irons right yeah but it it, it was a bit wasted too i mean he got some good lines but you know that's a that's an uh, you know a pretty iconic actor to be playing a pretty well and amy adams too right as lois lane yeah she kind of got a chump change part two yeah exactly. you know they were okay well we'll bring her in that, so that was a payday i'm sure though oh right? no doubt no doubt um yeah. so, so two things one um so it's supposed to be months theoretically i think they say it's six months later or something like that yeah. uh, after the death of superman when they go to put him into the pool to bring him back to life his arm flops to the side i kept thinking okay shouldn't he be stiff at least like come or de- decomposing or something they, well he is from another planet admittedly right they couldn't so. have like sewn his shirt to his side so that at least his arm doesn't flop down it just yeah stuff like oh, that drives me right. nuts and oh, i missed that part i should have laughed at that part and uh am i the only one who spent the whole movie staring at henry cavill's lip well yeah you told me about this but <laughs> i didn't know you're not the only one <laughs> <laughs> i just every scene from the because of course he starts the movie right they could that big scene where kids interviewing him for youtube or whatever it is i just every time he was on screen i could not listen to what he was saying i just kept thinking 
that lip, I can't tell where it's real and where it's fake, but he always looks a little wooden and I'm trying to put it together in my head. Mm-hmm. Oh, that. When you, when you told me that, when you said that, I, I do recall looking at his face going, it looked weird, but I also said I you know, was looking at other, other, like the wrinkles between uh, Gal Gadot's, um, how did it, Godot, right? Godot. Gal Gadot's uh, eyebrows there. She's got a couple of age wrinkles there, which I kind of thought was kind of strange for a superhuman to have. But um, yeah, you're right. I, I do remember looking at, and then, and then, so tell spoilers for the people who at home are wondering what the hell we're talking about. Why don't you explain to our folks at home as they transport around, beaming themselves from one room to the other, <laughs> what uh, what you're talking about. So, <coughs> sorry for a few episodes ago, we talked about this. Uh, Henry Cavill, uh, who is Superman in these pictures, has another contract uh, with Paramount to do a role, recurring role in the Mission Impossible films, for which he sports a mustache. And in this picture, they had shot the film. He had packed up his troubles. He had gone to England to start filming this uh, new Mission Impossible film. He got a call from the people at Warner Brothers to say, uh, we're going to do some reshoots. We need to bring you back. Paramount dug in its heels and said, we have a contract. And the contract says he's not changing his freaking mustache. So they actually forced him to go back, film the scenes for uh, as Superman, sporting a mustache, and then digitally had to go in and remove the mustache, which must have cost them a couple bucks, for which you got to think the people at Paramount are laughing hysterically because that's a really, really nasty move. Like he could have taken that thing off and grown it back in what, like a week or two, two weeks maybe? But no, they they said, you keep the mustache, you pay a couple million dollars to have a digital artist sit there and shave off Henry Cavill's mustache. So in multiple scenes in this movie, you find yourself looking at his lip thinking, his lip's not moving right. Like it, it does catch your eye in a few scenes. So so I have a question though. So so as you know, I, I I don't shave very much of my face. I have a beard and mustache for those of you who don't know me, but you guys do. So so where does Superman get razor blades and that survive cutting <laughs> hair? You know, I seem to recall an ep- uh, I don't know if it was an episode of the, the old cartoon show or one in the comic books where he has uh, a piece of metal, Double? a piece oh. of metal, and he uses his laser vision. He refracts it off of that and shaves his face with that. Why? Because he starts growing a beard or something? Or? Because that's how he needs to shave. Because the only thing powerful enough to shave off his uh, his facial hair is his own laser vision. Right, Which right, is, right. whoever decided that is genius, by the way. That's just a lot of fun. Right. We're going to have to mark this episode explicitly because I'm always worried about Lois Lane, too, in the sack. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> that's the old Kevin Smith joke, right? <laughs> if, if this was like a YouTube um, channel, we would like immediately smash cut into uh, the animated series. Or maybe it was Justice League. It might have been a Justice League episode where they fight Darkseid and Superman's got this real interesting monologue where he's like, imagine living in a world of cardboard where you're afraid if you lose control for even the slightest second, you're going to hurt everyone around you. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. Spoilers, uh, Darkseid is somebody who can actually take a beating so he, he goes, pounds him a little bit. Yeah. Um, right. And then yeah. we cut to the scene from Mallrats where, where they're discussing <laughs> what it would be like to have sex with a character like Superman. And oh, hey, wait, wait, so. <laughs> he requires kryptonite condoms for that. So, right. yeah, I just want I just want to uh, say that I, I, I missed it, but we're, we're out of the spoiler free zone now. So we're back into the spoiler free zone. Sorry. Oh, okay. So we should tune it down a bit. All right. Hey, actually, we've got a few minutes left. So why don't we go through our picks real quick? So, um, should I go first? Sure. Okay. So my pick is Robert, Robert Kirkman has this, I think it's a four part series called The Secret History of Comics that's running on AMC. Robert Kirkman, for those of you who don't know, is the guy who wrote the Walking Dead uh, series. Right. Uh, books. Writes. And, writes. Writes. And he, and he still also writes the, uh, the TV show episodes as well. He's involved in that. Anyway, so uh, 
I think I mentioned last week that there was an episode about um, the first episode was about Stan Lee and the guy Jonathan filming in here who Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko, yeah, they they kind of they were I don't, maybe I didn't talk about that on the show, but they were at odds. But this particular episode was interesting for me because I didn't know the backstory behind Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Mm-hmm. Joe Schuster, right? Um, and I know Joe Schuster because Jonathan, you have the Joe Schuster Award that you're involved in, right? They still uh, do that. I have in the past been involved with that group that uh, hands out they uh, named the Canadian Comic Book Annual Awards after Joe Schuster, who was uh, notably Canadian. Yeah, again, another Canadian. Um, But yeah, so those two guys, for those of you who don't know, are the guys who came up with the idea of Superman when they were uh, teenagers in in high school or something like that, right? And then they they grew up and wrote together and they wrote this thing. And and the story that they talk about in The Secret History of Comics, I'm not going to spoil it for who might want to watch it. Maybe it'll be on Netflix eventually or something like that. But they lost the rights because it was early, early days uh, to the Superman property and all of the properties. So even when when uh, they came came back with Superboy, all the stuff during the wars, and it wasn't until they got to the original, the first movie, like, and they, they tried to sue their way back in, in to get the rights back, but they ended up getting themselves fired and all kinds of other stuff. So it was a really interesting history behind Superman, the Superman property, and the, and the two guys who created them. And it wasn't until they actually uh, did the movie in with Christopher Reeve this time and Richard Donner as director. I've forgotten who. Oh, and it was another writer, I believe. Another uh, forgotten his name now. Neil Adams. Was, uh, Neil Adams. Neil Adams. Yeah, he was actually in the show talking about these guys all the way along, and then he talks about how he found out the story about them because he kept asking people about these these two guys and what happened to them, and then he found out that like you know like Joe Schuster was like penniless and you know delivering packages and stuff like that and living you know like really poor. I mean, this has happened a lot in in the 40s, 50s, and 60s with these kind of things, but they got themselves back in, and in fact they're even credited in the first Superman movie uh, starring Christopher Reeves in 1977, I think. Somewhere in there. Anyway, so yeah, you know about this story, obviously, Jonathan. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, you know, uh, it's obviously for for you know longtime comic fans like me, it's a, it's a familiar story, and obviously with the connection to the Schuster Awards, it's it's close to the heart. Um, yeah, I mean these two these two kids, they wanted to get their break in this world. They had created this character Superman, and they sold it to uh, what would become DC Comics. Uh, you know. 1938 and they basically had no choice if they wanted to get this character published they needed to sell this to uh to this company and they did that and little did they know it was going to turn into be this monster thing uh but that yeah that precluded them from being uh not only uh earning the rewards from that but you know the, the company went on to build an empire on the success of this character that led to the pioneering of so many other characters that were were you know uh in the in the shadows of this and you know th- these guys as you say by the time they get around to the 1970s they are not doing well there's some health problems um and these guys you know they were lucky uh in a way to find an advocate like neil adams who is uh an, uh, one of the most iconic creators of the 1970s and and onwards to uh you know triumph them and say you know that you're not doing right by these guys they were the ones to call attention to the fact that there was these you know this legacy of of work for pay in comic books where creators were not uh credited in any way for the work that they were doing. It was just, you know, you got paid by the page, you got paid by the book and that was it. Uh, and these huge corporations, by this point, Warner Brothers was involved with uh, DC. They were making money off these people's backs and and their their creativity. And uh, so, I mean, it is a, a fascinating story. I, I highly recommend you guys check out this episode that Tim's recommending. And uh, there's there's countless books and, and other um, ways to, to digest this information um, to get a good look at, you know, 
the, the legacy of these people. And the same thing happened to more than a few creators over the years. And now it has spun around to the point where now we're watching that Thor Ragnarok movie uh, and watching even this movie we watched last week with Justice League. You know, they ran a big chunk at uh, the end of the movie saying, you know, Wonder Woman created by William Moulton Marston. Uh, you know, all the credits were there for all these different people who had created these books because the least they can do for these people is give them credit. And in some cases, there is actually a remuneration of, of, you know, of acknowledging that they're taking their intellectual works and doing extra things with them. So it's come a long way. And that fight that they fought in the 1970s to get credited for their work is uh, is an inspiration for people standing up for their intellectual rights and for their for their creati- creative rights. Cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, we got a few more minutes. I just um, will mark the 15 minutes late. So uh, mm-hmm. do you want to jump into your pick there, Jaime? Yeah, two quick ones. Um, one is a tweet by the nice folks involved with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, it's a little video, well, 10 seconds probably, uh, showing Chris Pratt with um, a little baby dinosaur. So that's just a teaser to get people excited about the upcoming movie with um, Jeff Goldblum, who's going to come out as uh, Ian Malcolm again, which is great because I, I loved him as the Grandmaster in, in Thor Ragnarok. So yeah. be good that. And the other sort of larger one that I, I also want to see or do is this whole um, Star Wars Secret of the Empire virtual reality thing that Disney's got going at uh, Disneyland at Disney World, where you, you put on a uh, VR headset and haptic um, uh, backpack and you and a whole bunch of other people are going through this uh, VR environment that you can actually like walk through because they've set up um, some sort of soundstage kind of system that I guess it's a little hard to tell from the diagram how this works so you don't like bang into things I guess but presumably it's tracking really nicely with the VR so you feel like you're taking part um, in a Rogue One type mission where you're you know going through and trying to do stuff uh, against the Empire you're trying to infiltrate that looks really cool it's it's not cheap it looks like it's I don't know $30 for 30 minutes hmm, but it, it looks really cool I mean if you're you're going to a park like a Disneyland or a Disney World you kind of know that the, the premium experiences are going to cost you and this one looks like it's worth every penny that sounds awesome cool. alright Jonathan what do you got for us uh, well I've got the uh, new Hulu series called uh, Runaways which of course is based on uh, a Marvel comic uh, printed in the early 2000s um, written by uh, Brian K. Vaughn who is uh, creator helped one of the writers of Lost and also uh, one of the uh, people who created or he is the creator co-creator of uh, Why the Last Man which is a very popular uh, comic book series that's being produced uh, for for, uh, television as well Uh, Runaways is about a group of kids who uh, discover that uh, and you know spoilers if you don't want to know but this is right off the top it's about a group of kids who find out that their parents are super villains and Uh, you just ruined it for me yeah (laughs) so it basically follows these six characters as they you know everybody thinks their parents are evil these guys find out their parents are legitimately evil and so they as the title infers they run away and then they have to try and figure out how to reconcile the fact that their parents are not just you know doing some bad things like some really really bad things going on there and uh, it was a a really really great comic Uh, the original was drawn by a Canadian Adrian Alfona Um, it's a lot of fun I highly recommend if you're going to go back to the source material you should it's really really enjoyable Um, particularly the first um, sort of volume the first collection you would find uh, at your Barnes and Noble or Amazon is is really really enjoyable Uh, and uh, so it's about these kids trying to basically um, not only reconcile the fact that their parents are evil but then they also start to try and figure out what does that mean for them are do they have these abilities that their parents might have Uh, you know where do they oh they're 
those kind of supervillains. Oh, they're, uh, yeah, they're not just, you know, uh, you know, mwahaha. These are legitimately powered individuals. Right, and, right. Yeah, yeah. So these kids, you know, uh, again, spoilers, but, you know, one of them figures out that they have magical abilities. One figures out that they have alien powers. Um, one of them is, you know, got some psychic abilities uh, that they didn't even realize they had because they didn't put two and two together and realize they had these abilities because why would you suspect that? Um, but it's, it's really, really great series. It's a great concept. And so Hulu's picked it up and is doing this in conjunction with um, Marvel's television wing. Um, so that includes uh, Jeff Loeb, who's uh, one of the great writers of, um, of uh, architects of the Marvel TV universe uh, and mm-hmm. some of the great comics over the years. So I'm excited that they're, that they're getting into this level of depth and that yeah. they're also going in this sort of younger direction. A lot of the series that they've done for comic books, um, maybe with the exception of Gifted, which is on Fox right now, um, mm-hmm. they focused on, you know, adults and established people and, you know, a more mature side of the universe. So it'd be really interesting to see what they do with these sort of younger characters and if they can, you know, get a different audience and a different vibe in there. Yeah, I started watching, just telling Jaime before the show, I started watching the show. It was just on, just before we started taping here. And uh, so I watched like the first half hour and, you know, it was hard pressed to hit pause and come and record a podcast with you guys. It was yeah. pretty compelling, kind of interesting enough to sort of see where it's going to go. It started out a little bit like, you know, like a high school drama kind of um, yep. easy kind of vibe or, or the, the, was it, what's the one, the Shakespeare one that uh, Heath Ledger was in? Um, 10 Things I Hate About You? 10 Things I Hate About You, yeah. With, yeah. Uh, what's her name? <laughs> Julia Stiles? Julia Stiles, yes. Um, that sort of, you know, high school kind of, you know, awkward kid kind of thing and, and uh, with some sort of backstory of, of missing people and yep. what have you. And and one kid starts to have super spoilers for people. One kid sort of has discovered she has some sort of superpower, but nobody's really sort of put two and two together yet. And yep. and where, where I left the show was the parents were just getting together to have their sort of first party kind of thing that they, they have these meetings that they do. Yeah. So it, interesting stuff. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. They're, they're only doing 10 episodes for the first season and uh, they dropped the first three on Hulu the other day. Uh, oh, I was going to ask about that, yeah. So they're dropping the first two and for our Canadian listeners, they, that's going to be on Showcase uh, here in Canada. So uh, you don't have to pay the premium that our neighbors do. Uh, if you have standard cable, it's it's part of that package. Is uh, it part of standard? Is it part of standard or is it part of the VIP package? I think regular Showcase is part of the part of the regular package. I, if I'm not okay. mistaken, so okay. we can look that one up. But uh, I think regular Showcase. I think there's Showcase premium channels, but I think this one's just regular uh, Showcase. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they dropped dropped the first three episodes on Hulu already, and then it's going to be a weekly show. So it's not quite Netflix model. You do have to tune in once a week uh, when it comes out. But uh, I'm yeah, I'm keen to see where they can what they can do with this. Especially, I, I like these little ten episode, twelve episode. You know, Punisher dropped on the weekend. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I'm I'm keen to get into that. But even thirteen episodes now starting to feel like a chore. I'm I'm I think ten episodes is the right number for a series like this. And I'm I'm keen to see what they can get to without too many of those chuffa episodes, the ones that just don't have you know a direction. They can keep it on point and just keep going with it. Right, right. Hmm, cool stuff. Yeah, I watched that. Um, oh, what's the name of the uh, Emily Blunt show? No, not Emily Blunt. Um, who's the one that's married to Justin Timberlake? Oh, uh, oh, Jessica yeah. Biel. Biel. Jessica Biel. Yeah, she just did a, a quick ten episode uh, sort of um, murder mystery sort of thing, um, psychological drama kind of thing, and uh, that was interesting. It was good to watch. It kind of kind of fell flat at the end there. I didn't really sort of buy the premise, but uh, that was the center. 
just yes, yeah, sinner. You're kind of building it up, uh, building up what you know. She does something in the first episode, and then you you sort of have to figure out why. And then the why was was a stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys watched that at all. No, I, I, that was another one of those. You know, it's only eight episodes. It seemed like it was yeah. one of those. You just sort of wait till it was there and dive into it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the OA. The OA was good too. We can talk about. It. I think you know when when uh, Orville goes into break and and Star Trek goes Star Trek in break already. Um, we can talk about some of these other other things that are interesting to us, right? So, yep. cool stuff. All right. Hey, Jaime, if people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs, wherever they look. I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the hair. Right, and Jonathan, if they want to find you on the interwebs. I am on, uh, at JPK News on Twitter. All righty. And uh, as I usually say at the top of the show, I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. So until next week, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at SpockCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. You really ought to write this down at the beginning of the episode, sir. You know, I ha- it, that doesn't help either. <laughs> I do have these written down, but teleprompter, yeah. teleprompter. Well, you know, it's it's funny. We sort of we sort of end up rolling with these things um, as we go. Like we've just like this, the, the you know, for those of you driving at home thing, and uh, there's a bunch of other ones that we say from time to time. But uh, yeah, that's that how we how we start the show and how we end the show. And then, and like Hami said at the beginning of the show, it's hard for us because hard for us because we both expect me to roll into Welcome to More Than Just Code podcast kind of thing, right? So yeah. Tim, and then you've also got the way that Roundabout does its whole thing. So having three yeah. different podcasts must be especially difficult for you to... Well, especially when I do it on one night. Last week I did all three, and by, by the time, you know, 1230 rolled around, I was like ready to... I was like, you know, putting my head down on the desk letting you guys talk. <laughs> 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 the finger on the mute button so you couldn't hear me snore. Yeah, I was just watching a bit of that uh, new Runaways show, Marvel's Runaways. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean it's already I'm already like 20 minutes in, and I want to see how the rest of the episode goes. You know, cool. That's uh, well. Do you know who produces that? Because it's probably on a different channel. Uh, Hulu actually in the states. Oh, it's, it's, Hulu. it's Hulu. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Hulu presents right at the very beginning of the of the show, right? So. Oh wait, but now I ha- now I have my doubts, and now I got to look this up because you might right. think that who uh, you might think that Netflix was the one creating Discovery, and, and it's not. They just paid for the right to distribute it outside of the U.S. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it definitely said Hulu, Hulu Presents on the show, like on the tin, right? And it's not on our, what would, I would, I would think that that would normally be on, um, like, uh, hello. I would think that um, it would normally be on, a, like, Space Channel or something like that. Like, uh, I think Marble Agents right. Age, of Field is on ABC or NBC for us, but all the other, like, the Supergirl has moved over to, I oh, know Supergirl's on Showcase too, which is, uh, I wouldn't have thought them to be a more sci-fi channel. I think they're more art, like an art, artsy, you know, kind of production 
action channel. So basically, oh, okay. off Showtime and Bravo. Sorry, it's basically ripped off from Showtime and it's half Showtime yeah. and half CW. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So because uh, Supergirl's on CW in the states, right? By me. That's correct. Yeah. I was just telling him that I've been watching the first twenty minutes of um, of uh, Runaways. Oh, you mean my pick for this week? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was. Uh, we were talking about like, well, what channel does it come out on? And I said, oh, that's probably a bad idea because it's probably hard to figure out who the producer is since it can vary between Canada and the United States. And even when yeah. Tim said, oh, it's a Hulu thing, I was like, well, let's make sure because Netflix kind of presents Discovery like as if they're the ones with the show and they just paid the money to distribute it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it definitely says Hulu right on the tin. Yeah, on, no, it's on a Hulu the... show in the States. Yeah, yeah, it looks like do the bridge agrees with that. So, sorry, what's up? Do you, do you have the Hulu yourself? No. Oh, you don't? Um, okay. Largely because they, uh, I don't know, cheapness on my side. So they haven't... Uh-huh. Um, they haven't done enough to to make me either spend more than my normal budget or uh, right. push something else out of the budget. So Netflix is always in. Okay, that's that's a given. Amazon is in just because I have Prime for other reasons. You know, shit. Um, and then I just you know opened the purse strings for Discovery. Mm-hmm. I probably hesitate to do the same for Hulu unless they get um, you know very consistent with their uh, offerings. And it, it it's looking pretty positive. I mean, The Handmaid's Tale sounds like that was really good. Um, yeah, well, it was. There's Runaways apparently. You know, is is, is looking up so that's that's good so if they can have jonathan like yeah jonathan liked the book right so if, yeah so i think if they can have netflix style like oh every month i'm gonna have something that, that i can only have here yeah and continue to get me to fork my money over i think that'll be their challenge uh, very similar to cbs is going to lose my money just as soon as discovery is done right uh-huh. <laughs> that's very obvious to me <laughs> they will lose my money oh, really? and then they'll get it again next fall when they start doing season two so so isn't that why hbo go uh, snapped up um game of thrones like yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's... Drive up uh, subscribers, right? I mean, that's part of it. Like, HBO is on the cusp of having that sort of thing for me. Um, between, you know, Game of Thrones and Silicon Valley and... Uh, Westworld. Westworld. I think if they had one more thing so that every season, at the very least, like, season of yeah. the calendar year is covered, then I might say, all right, let me open up the purse strings a little bit more. Yeah, it's funny for me. I, the, the show I also watch on... Um, see, I, TM and Go is what I use here. That's, a, that's I guess, our Canadian version of that um, the movie network go and um, I watched Shameless I'd forgotten it was on I, I just caught the last two episodes of the last season which I guess I, I missed and then um, now I'm watching uh, the new season right so and I and I got to finish finally watch uh, the Ghostbusters reboot uh, the other day on thanks to the TMN go people you know cool yeah so I mean you know I don't know it's it's kind of funny like I, I unfortunately I'm still paying like you know hundred dollars a month or whatever it is for cable as well you are too Jonathan right uh, mine is actually I, I've gotten it lowered significantly i basically told them i would pack up my whole tent and go home so they uh they cut me a pretty good deal did they this is rogers or yeah really hmm. yeah, yeah I, got, I got cable uh and internet as a bundle and uh oh right okay yeah i've got unlimited internet plus i've got like the jumbo package of of cable and all of that all in is like 130 bucks or something oh that's not bad yeah because I'm, I'm paying i pay at least that much for cable as well for internet as well through bell right so i've got all my services in one one basket yet yep. and uh you know i don't know i never never liked rogers <laughs> yeah i mean i feel the same way about bell so you know yeah that's true. the problem that's true. is when you have like you know two titans and they're controlling everything you don't really have a lot of choices yeah well uh, so and Jaime, what do you guys have for choices in the states like, it will depend on regionally Comcast, right so yeah. my, my region happens to be comcast uh locally you can get CenturyLink, probably something else that I'm, I'm forgetting um if you're not in the comcast region then you must be in a time warner cable region um they more or less split the United States. I don't. I don't think by like. Uh, I don't know, like a like an east west north uh, 
Mason Dixon liner and things, nothing like that. I think it's more like whichever market they happen to to be in when they acquire the other sub companies that comprise them today. Right, right. Is that what the Mason Dixon line divides? No, no, no. Mason Dixon line goes north south and north south. But it's way over, like over by New York and over there somewhere. We looked it up once. Yeah, it's really, (laughs) it's really weird. And then south of the Mason Dixon line. Yeah, that's right. We we used to say what about Tammy, because she didn't want people to be able to pinpoint where she is. So the only two definitive things I can think of that people talk about splitting the east and the west of the United States would be the Mississippi and possibly the Pecos. Right, right. Pecos is a range of mountains. Uh, Pecos River. Sorry, both both are rivers. Okay. Yeah, because the Mississippi goes right from almost from like Canada to like the Gulf, right? Gulf of Mexico, Mexico. Yeah, it definitely goes to the Gulf of Mexico. I have no idea how far north it goes. It goes quite a way, I think. Actually, if you look on the, I looked on the maps app. The Mississippi times. goes all the way up to like north of the o- o- Ohio, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's pretty high. Yeah, like almost up to the Canadian border is what I said, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anywho, <laughs> that's interesting stuff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.